you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant. Fully vaccinated and happy to be back outside most of the time, but we're inside today because it's podcast day. Uh, And as always, uh, we got producer Justin by our side, who is still kind of sorting through the rubble of the Mavericks ended season and uh, everything going on in the front office there. But uh, to cheer him up, his football team has Julio Jones, so everything works out. Uh, we continue on with our off-season cavalcade of stars. We have been fortunate to have a lot of really great, fun people with us, and that trend continues today uh, with the one and only, the man from Yahoo himself, uh, the FSGA enforcer, uh, the now the floor slapper supreme, the fantasy judge himself. It is Andy Barons. I think I screwed some of that up, so if I did, please correct me. <laughs> no, I'm I'm just excited to be here. I'm I myself am also a fully vaccinated man, so um, pe- people are totally safe listening to this podcast. Awesome, sweet. You don't need a mask to listen to this podcast. So rejoice, <laughs> rejoice, everybody. Uh, got plenty of stuff we want to talk to you about today. Uh, I wanted to do a little round of either or because this is when you know. I mean, this is sort of the silly season.
season of the fantasy offseason where people are sort of creating straw men to to knock down and tell us who they would or wouldn't draft. I want to do some hype train and smokescreen because, you know, this is the height of coach speak season as well. And so we'll try to dig through some of those great things. Uh, But I want to start as I have with a lot of my guests, I'm digging into a little bit of draft strategy. Just try to like poke around in your head a little bit and, and see how you think uh, on draft day. And I guess the first thing is because we see people obviously putting out rankings all the time and news headlines come and people talk about how they feel about things. When you're looking at players and you're ranking players, how often do you shift them around in the offseason? And, and for you, what moves the needle? What makes you want to change spots for guys? Yeah, it's a it's a really good question. And there's not there's not a ton of non-injury stuff, I would say, that happens during like OTAs and and during camp that is going to get me to move off of a lot of initial positions. But what what does do it, um, you know, so I'll I'll go through and I'll I'll do like an initial round of kind of quick and dirty, sloppy projections in, you know, April, May, right around the draft. Um, And I, you know, I do that in part just for magazine work and I do it in part just to build out some ranks. But then the thing that really gets me changing my my actual uh, position ranks is when I start diving into best ball drafts. And, and I realized that, like, I'm, I might have Josh Jacobs here, but I'm always veering away from Josh Jacobs. Right. And then I realized, OK, I got, I got to drop this guy because I'm not I, I want my I want my ranks at any given moment to reflect the way I would actually draft. And so I might project it all out one way. But if I'm if I'm never behaving, if I'm never taking those ranks into a draft and actually following them, then I know I got to do some work. Uh, and, and so and so it's like it's probably in that in the six weeks or so after I come out with the with the initial projections that I that I really start shuffling up the ranks based on what I actually do. Like when a when a clock is ticking down in a draft, you, you will learn a lot more about how you value players than you will from simply projecting. You know, I think that's interesting, too, because, I, you know, I would love and I'm sure there's somebody out there who has done these like do a, a mock draft where everybody has like 15 seconds. Right. And, yeah. and, and it forces you to sort of work under pressure. And I, I you know, I say this as the guy who uh, I always say my my tight end draft strategy, for instance, is either to reach early and pay up for one of those top tier guys or wait until you know the end and try to grab a guy with upside. But then in reality, what happens is I get to like the eighth round and the clock is running down and I grab Mike Gesicki and then I feel like, <laughs> what did I do? Like, why did I do this? Um, so I just, you know, you saying that makes me think maybe we all do a mock draft with like 15 seconds on the clock and it really forces you to, okay, okay, let's, let's figure out what we're doing and let's make some quick decisions. And that'll give you an idea, I think, of who you really like versus who you maybe talk yourself into. <laughs> oh, I, I love it. It's like speed chess. I also kind of like, I'm, I'm, I think I'm scared to do it, but I kind of like the idea of a draft in which you're not allowed any resources whatsoever, right? Like it's oh. a, it's a tight clock and we're just sitting here and you've got to remember who's been taken and you've got to remember roughly what the ranks are and you've got nothing in front of you. Wow. That's a, uh, I've never done it. I'm too much of a coward to do yeah. it. I like the idea. <laughs> well, here's the, I would do it as a mock. Don't ask me to play that league out. Cause yeah. then I think I feel <laughs> right, differently right. about it. Um, so you, you talked about, you know, what you look at in the off season, how much do you pay attention to OTA reports? Oh yeah, uh, another good question because we have to comment on it all the time, right? But, <laughs> but to the extent to which I actually will change my my player values and ranks, it's it, it's got to be based on something negative, right? Because this is just the time of year <laughs> when it's just all sunshine everywhere about every player, you know, like 
every running back looks like a three down guy who's going to catch more passes <laughs> this year. And every fringy tight end is a breakout candidate. And like all the rookie quarterbacks are really quick studies. They're all picking it up really well. And so like, <laughs> negative information stands out more than anything else because I, I expect it to be just all, you know, sunshine, rainbows, unicorns about all players. But, you know, when, when, like, if you tell me that Antonio Gibson is still having problems with his, te- with his toe, that, that gets my attention, you know, uh, any, any negative injury information, any negative information about a player uh, at all uh, is going to interest me, but anything positive is just, that's what we should expect. That's that's this time of year. That's exactly what we ought to be hearing. We ought to be hearing that J.K. Dobbins is going to catch 50 passes because like everything is possible in, in June and July. And then things become impossible once we get into the actual season. So um, good news goes right past me and, and bad news. I'm I'm pretty clued in on. Is that just because of the general pessimistic nature of what we do? <laughs> yeah, um, we're, we're like and I, I started, uh, you know, my initial projections, initial ranks, and I haven't really come down on Antonio Gibson that much. I was just trying to come up with a piece of bad right. news that has been out there. And that's <laughs> right. one of them. Right. Like I like I still like him theoretically, but it is worrisome that we're even talking about anything remotely negative about a player when it's when it's May and June. That's. Um, that that's a little bit of a concern. So yeah, we just we spend you know months trying to trying to poke holes in all these great plans that we that we lay out early on. I should I should also say that if if I if I read that somebody is hashtag best shape of his life, they they automatically <laughs> go up a tier, maybe two tiers. I was gonna say, I mean, like, where do you come down on the you know photos of players who obviously have just stepped out of the gym after leg day? I mean, you know, like, where, yeah, yeah. Where, where are we going? When Mike that? Davis has has at least one enormous quad, yeah, <laughs> that doesn't really do anything for me. You know, uh, which by the way, I I so I think last week. Uh, Either the Bears or Allen Robinson put out a video of him like working out and training in like resistance bands or whatever. Um, and so I waited a week and I went back to look at his ADP and um, it didn't shift significantly, but there was a definite upward tick on the uh, the trend line after the one week after the video. And so I'm I'm starting my own theory that that there is an ADP boost when guys put out the uh, workout I, video. I hate to watch a lot of that stuff because it just makes you feel terrible about yourself, right? <laughs> like, you, like, I think I had a pretty good quarantine workout routine going on, right? Like, I was I was doing the same sort of prison workouts that a lot of people were. And then you see what Derrick Henry is doing, and you're like, oh, man. <laughs> Derrick Henry's doing, like, space-age workouts. Like, I have no idea what right. some of these guys are doing. It's insane. Um, all right, so that that actually is a good transition to to hype train or smokescreen because you talk about the good news, bad news thing that you sort of take into account. But these are stories uh, where coaches maybe say a thing and maybe we buy into it and maybe we don't. <laughs> the first one, uh, knowing that you are a Bears fan, that is your lot in life. And for that, I do offer some condolences. Um, <laughs> Matt Nagy came out recently and said Andy Dalton is the starter. He's their starting quarterback. That's what they are going with. Are you buying this? Are you are you drafting accordingly? Or are you saying to hell with it? And I'm going to just draft Justin Fields anyway. Well, I'm to to answer the last part first. Yes, I'm going to go ahead and draft Justin Fields anyway. <laughs> I I do think like I don't think it's a lie when when he's talking about week one. I, I just don't think that Andy <laughs> Dalton is like the locked in starter for the full season. I think that's pretty ridiculous. And you you I, like quarterbacks that get drafted as high as Justin Fields 
was drafted and, and when you actually you know uh, spend some some future draft capital to do it like he's going to he's going to play he's going he's going to play a bunch the the city will riot if he's not playing by october <laughs> right like that's just going to happen everybody was everybody was ready for the Justin Fields era as soon as they as soon as they made the trade and before they made the pick right like we were ready for Justin Fields to take over but i also don't think that they want to feed him to the rams in week 1 mm-hmm. like the the opening schedule for the bears is a little bit of a minefield it's it's the rams and then in some order it's the bengal's and browns and like there's a path for the bears to start like i think the bears are a pretty good team you know, I, I thought coming into the season they were a pretty good team outside of the quarterback position which is obviously as important as it gets um, there's a pretty clear path for that team to start like 0 and 2 or 1 and 2. And at that point, Justin Fields is definitely playing. Um, it, it would be shocking to me if they get out to a 3 and 0 start when they're facing, you know, the Rams and the Bengals and the Browns. I don't think that's going to happen. So basically first loss of the season, I'm expecting to see Justin. <laughs> so basically your, uh, your comment on Matt Nagy is uh, to quote the ancient philosopher George Costanza, it's not a lie if you believe it. Right. right. I'm like, what else is he going to say? I mean, I also don't think that they that they that they believe they would be in a position to to even make a move for Justin Fields. Right. Like when they brought in Andy Dalton, I think they really legitimately thought, OK, where this is just we're stuck with this. This is what it's going to be. It's not great. Um, maybe he can land this plane and we still find a way to nine or ten wins, something like that. But I don't like they didn't sign him with any enthusiasm. And I don't think they they saw a path to getting Trey Lance or Justin Fields or anyone like that. So they stumbled into it. It's great. I'm glad they still did it. Um, but I, I do feel like they they're locked into to Andy Dalton, at least for a week. Um, similarly, do you feel the same way about Trey Lance in San Francisco? That, that it's, it's Jimmy G to start and eventually Lance takes over there? Um, I don't, I, I, I won't say that I have my finger on the pulse of, uh, the Niners <laughs> in the same way that I do. Cause like I'm on, you know, bears message boards and stuff like that all the time. Like, right. Like I'm, I'm, I'm in the muck with, with, uh, uh like meathead fans, uh, uh, where the bears are concerned. I, I, I don't think that there's much to, like I, a lot of this depends on on what Trey Lance actually does during camp and what he does during preseason. Like, I think the Bears are pretty locked in on Andy Dalton week one regardless. I think Trey Lance probably has a better shot to play himself into into week one than Fields does. Um, and that's not, you know, I think that I think the two are very similar in terms of in terms of projection for a full season. Um, but I think the Niners are probably a lot more comfortable with what they have with Garoppolo. Um you know, for, for better or worse, right? Like he's not, I mean, he's still the guy that missed the throw in that Super Bowl, And I don't think they, I, I, you know, I think it'd be a disaster in all likelihood if he's quarterbacking the team at the end of the season, I think they want to get to Trey Lance. Um, so I think it's a similar situation, but I would give Trey Lance a better shot at starting the opener. Yeah. I, I think, I think for fantasy, I think everybody approaches both situations the same way where people are drafting fields and Lance and not so much Dalton and Garoppolo. Yeah. Um, with the anticipation that at some point, both those guys are going to be starting. It's just, uh, it's more a matter of when I think than if for, for both of those guys. Um, AJ Green was talking about how excited he is to be in Arizona, how he's so excited to play with DeAndre Hopkins and you know how they can be so dangerous with you know him and Nuke and Christian Kirk, who I've pretty much let go of the rope on because I, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> um, but do you have a belief that that AJ Green is going to bounce back in Arizona? Is that is that hype? Is that smoke? Where where you fall on that one? Yeah, I 
I gotta admit that I I'd, I'd pretty much missed this hype until uh, <laughs> until I, sh- I saw your notes for the show and I was like, wow, really? We're 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 doing AJ Green again, huh? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are we? Was, I don't know. That's the thing. <laughs> he, you know, I can like vintage AJ Green is obviously great, and that guy is not coming back, right? Like, I I would hope that everybody can agree that we're just not going to get like eighty five or ninety catches and thirteen hundred yards out of AJ Green or anything like that. And he had. He had so like Burrow gave him so many good chances last year, I thought, like chances to make the sort of highlight plays that A.J. Green routinely made in his prime, um, put the ball on his hands, gave him opportunities for like touch, ca- like tough catches in the end zone, but but gave him chances and he, he dropped most of them. Right? And I think he ended up with 40 some catches on 100 plus targets, which is obviously terrible, but he's but he's been great. Um, he's not so old that I would say, okay, you're done. You're cooked. You have to walk away from the game. Um, I can see him stringing together a couple seasons that kind of look like what Emmanuel Sanders has done lately. I mean, he, he won't do it in exactly the same way, but you know, can he settle into being like a 55 to 65 catch, you know, 750 yard receiver? I think he can. And if that has value in your league, then you can think about him. But I like AJ Green's chances of hitting, you know, 1100 yards, 1200 yards. That's I think that's over. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, you know, I don't even know where to fall. I, I, I still love Nuke. I don't know that I love him where he's going in drafts just because there are so many more weapons there. Um, you know, and they're going to spread the football around. I have been sort of out on AJ Green. Um, but I do think at the right spot, I do think, you know, and I guess that applies to everybody, but I definitely at the right spot yeah. in that offense. Uh, I do think there's something there, you know, may- maybe he slots in and kind of gives you a little bit, uh, a little bit more than what we've gotten out of Larry Fitzgerald the last few years in that offense too. So maybe that's, that's kind of something to keep in mind. Um, Sammy Watkins reportedly has been Baltimore's best receiver in training or in OTAs. Uh, again, this is a positive OTA story, so maybe we take this with like a whole shaker of salt. But uh, <laughs> in a summer that has revolved around people being excited about Rashad Bateman and being optimistic about Marquise Brown, uh, is it Sammy Watkins, the guy that we should be paying attention to? Um, at, at some level, I feel like we should be paying attention to all of these guys. And I, I think there's a decent chance that, you know, Watkins, Bateman, Brown all finish relatively close to each other in terms of receptions and yards. Like that's not that's not crazy to me and that they end up only separated in, in fantasy terms by by touchdowns like that's very much in play. And like, you know, I, I realize that Watkins has become a little bit of a, a punchline, but he's he's been a nice player. Like, like, like his career is going to end and we're going to look back and be like, hmm, that wasn't bad. I mean, he's been a thousand <laughs> yard receiver. He's still only 28 years old. So he's not like, it feels like he's been around forever. It feels like we've lived our whole lives with Sammy Watkins, <laughs> but, but he's not that old. Um, and he used to actually do the Hollywood Brown stuff better than Brown has ever done it in mm. the NFL. Like Sammy Watkins, you know, six years ago was, was a thing. Um, can he get back to being like, I don't think he's going to be a thousand yard receiver for Baltimore. And I think it's going to be a a very difficult, like I think clearly safest way to invest in this offense is, or at least in this passing game is going to be Lamar. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be a fun, you know, they're going to take a lot of deep shots, uh, a lot of high yield opportunities. And, and those can go to, to all three of these, all three of these receivers. So, yeah, I think, I think you can have a good year. I I hate to talk about everybody in the terms that they're going to all look like (laughs) Emmanuel Sanders or something like that, but I think I think Watkins is another guy who can have one of those 700, 800 yard seasons if he stays healthy. 
um, w- with a couple of, you know, splash plays along the way. I think that's very much in play. I, I love Lamar this season. I mean, we should love Lamar pretty much every season. He's healthy mm-hmm. and I, I love Lamar right now. Um, so like, yeah, in a way I, I can, I can see Sammy Watkins finishing very close to the other two guys that we're really excited about. And he's clearly going to be the draft value, right? Like nobody's going to reach for Sammy Watkins <laughs> in, in any round at any price. So he is definitely the guy that you can get in the last round who I, I think if you're in a, if you're in a deep league, you're in a, you're in a spot that has many flexes, many open receiver spots, right? I think, I think Sammy Watkins is going to be very much in play. So what one, I mean, I've given you a couple of, you know, quote unquote, old wide receivers. So the fact that you compared them to Emmanuel Sanders, maybe not completely terrible. Yeah. Um, the other thing, though, you talk about, you know, all three of these guys being bunched together in terms of production, which I think is certainly possible. My concern is that there's sort of a cap on their production just because of the nature of that passing game, because even as much as, you know, Greg Roman and everybody there talks about wanting to have more balance and wanting to throw the football more, this is still going to be, I think, primarily a run based offense. And now you're talking about spreading those targets between three wide receivers and a tight end because Mark Andrews is still going to get his. So, you know, I think I think that's sort of the the asterisk on this for me is that they're all going to be kind of close, but they're all going to be sort of meh at the same time. That's why that's sort of why that's why I can't get excited about Rashad Bateman. I watched him. I think he's super talented, super great. But I just think he is going to be sort of limited because that's just the nature of the offense he plays in. Yeah, no, I think I think that's totally right. They're they're pretty clearly going to lead the NFL in rush attempts again. Right. Because you 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 have to with Lamar like it's it makes too much sense. I mean, Lamar has been a like a six yard per carry guy. He is, in my opinion, he's the regardless of position, like there's not a running back that I think is more thrilling when the ball with the ball in his hands than Lamar Jackson. So like Lamar's got to run. He's given us a thousand rushing yards in back to back years. And if he stays healthy, he's got to run. So I, I think there's almost no question they're going to they're going to be imbalanced uh, in the direction of, of running the football. They should be. They're great at it. That no, nobody's this good at it. They can overwhelm teams. Um, and, and I think we're going to be dependent on long touchdowns from all these guys, which is not a, which is not an easy thing to bank on week to week because like Andrews is the red zone guy and the, there's nobody else here who's just a prototypical red zone, you know, inside the 10 sort of receiver. So I think that's basically right. Like we're going to have a tough time guessing which Baltimore receiver is going to pop week to week. So as you were talking, I just came up with a nickname for the wide receiver core. They're the uh, the best Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> oh shoot! I, I love that. Great. You should trademark it right away. I am. You I'm going to put you this should out make here. Make sure that that is associated with you, and not don't let anybody steal that from. You. That's really good. That's really good. Uh, all right. So now let's get to some some either ors. I just put together some guys who are you know, similar in in their draft ADPs, uh, maybe similar in production, but the guy that you would prefer to have over the other. So the first. First one, let's say you're sitting uh, at number three in your draft, right? Three or four. Uh, McCaffrey's gone. Uh, Dalvin Cook is gone. Uh, say the number four, right? Derrick Henry's gone. Alvin Kamara or Saquon Barkley? Which one would you rather, and why? Yeah, it's it's tough because they, you know, they they both have some like each each player has one obvious red flag right mm-hmm. and with Kamara it's it's what is the quarterback situation with Barkley it's what is the you know what is the health of his knee and we're going to learn that as we get deeper into the into the summer like again right now it's all sunshine right like Barkley's ahead of everybody's ahead of schedule and Barkley among them <laughs> they're all ahead of schedule so um assuming that's true and and we're drafting like for keeps and it's it's August and I feel pretty good about Saquon Barkley I'm I'm going to end up taking Saquon because he's 
He's the guy who, I mean, they can both reach 90 receptions. We've seen Saquon do it. We've seen Saquon have the 2000 scrimmage yard season. And I like, I'm not, I'm not so petrified of an ACL recovery that I, that I don't think he can get back to being the player that he was. Shoot. If he's 98% of the player he was or 95% of the player he was, he was, he was like a mutant superhero level <laughs> athlete, you know, a couple of years ago. So that's fine. It's probably going to be Barkley for me. I just I have so much quarterback anxiety regarding Kamara that I, I just I just can't get past it. Like we like I mean we all remember that he was he was on pace to break the single season reception record for a running back last year, and then and then Taysom Hill um, entered, the, entered the scene, and it was just you know that was over. It was. I want to say it was six targets, maybe seven targets in his first three games with Taysom Hill. Yep. So that's out there as a possibility. I don't believe that Jameis Winston ever wants to throw the ball to a running back. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure he would if he's the quarterback, right? Like I think he threw a bunch to Charles Sims way back in the day, but like the most recent version we've seen of Jameis is not terribly interested in, in throwing short. So I, I just, I, I have a lot of anxiety about that situation. I mean, I, I think he can be great. I think he can give us, you know, another 1400 yards, 1500 yards, um, but I, but I really worry that, that he's not going to hit that 80 catch threshold and we need it because we yes. know they're not going to give him 200 carries. They've never done it. Yeah. That's the other part of that too. And I think, I think the quarterback situation is the one thing that sort of colors a lot of our, a, a lot of how we feel about the Saints. I guess Michael Thomas seems like he's the only one who's sort of uh, immune to this because he did okay last year when Taysom came on the field. They, they still found ways to get Thomas the ball. But my my biggest fear, and I, I keep saying this, is that Sean Payton, who obviously hates our fantasy teams, who actively <laughs> hates our fantasy teams, <clears throat> is going to go with sort of a two quarterback system where they you know they use Jameis sort of between the twenties and they use Taysom Hill when they get down near the the end zone. Um, you know, if they were willing to take Drew Brees off the field why wouldn't they take Jameis Winston right. off the field? So that, that you know, and that, that to me is the worst case scenario for everybody. Like nobody wins in that situation there. Yeah, really the, the fantasy wise, I feel like the best case scenario is actually, is probably Taysom because if, if Taysom is the starting quarterback, then we're just going to get, it's just him. He's, he's the only guy. But if, Jam if Jameis is the starting quarterback, I mean, they're they're going to run Taysom out there all the time. And as you say, if they did it with Drew Brees, they are for sure doing it with Jameis Winston. And it's entirely possible that once they get inside the 10 yard line, um, it's going to be mostly Taysom. And that's just that's just a fantasy nightmare. Not, not going to lie. I have drafted Taysom late in some mocks just. Yeah. Just because. <laughs> just because. Uh, all right. More. A couple more running backs. Joe Mixon versus Chris Carson. This is this is a good one because they are I feel like they're both so severely disrespected. And I see <laughs> I see so many people talking about how they're going to run away from Joe Mixon and they're just they're, they just can't get back on Joe Mixon. Um, Joe, Joe Mixon's really good. And it doesn't I feel like it doesn't always show up in the in the year end numbers or in the week to week numbers. But man, like before Joe Burrow. Um, like, you know, two years ago, three seasons ago, um, it just seemed like a staple of Cincinnati's offense was to, was to put Joe Mixon in impossible situations behind the line of scrimmage and see if he couldn't get three <laughs> yards out of it. Right. And he always did because he's really good. Um, and so 
like he'll have these years where you look at the, you know, you look at him in terms of efficiency and eh, it's just over four yards per carry. These yards were miraculous. (laughs) Almost everything Joe Mixon did like in 2018 and 2019 was a small miracle. Um, I think he's really good. And I'm I'm currently I'm just really infatuated with the Bengals offense and where it's going to go because they played so fast last year with a with a rookie quarterback. Like while Burrow was healthy, they were right at the top of the league, um, top three in the league in terms of in terms of plays per game and pace. Um, Burrow was throwing the ball 40 times a game like it's just going to be a really fun offense if everything stays healthy and they can block it just a little bit. And, And so I think that sets up really well for Mixon. So, but I also think both of these guys can can outproduce their draft position because, man, we keep we're always talking about somebody behind Chris Carson on that depth chart. Right. Whether it's Thomas Rawls or Precise or Rashad Penny or whoever, like we're always infatuated with the next Seattle back. And then it's just always Chris Carson. So I think I think they're both really good players. I think an argument can be made for either one. I'm a little bit more interested in Joe Mixon right now. All right. Uh, I'm, I'm a little bit more interested in Chris Carson because of, like, the disrespect that always happens and because of, like, the fact that he falls to the third round and everybody's like, yeah. oh, I don't want Chris Carson because he didn't catch the football. And then when it's all said and done, he's given you RB2 returns and, you know, you're not you're not necessarily spending quite as much in draft capital to get him. I do like your, your point about Joe Mixon, though, having to be sort of superhuman um, and that kind of maybe yeah, – when you just look at the numbers, it sort of takes away from it because you don't necessarily see how much effort goes into it. Uh, although I will say the reports are that the Bengals are happy with Chris Evans. So now people have found that as a new reason to uh, to discount Joe Mixon. So maybe you'll get a, a better value on him if people were worried about Chris Evans. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't think there's another back on that roster that does anything as well as Joe Mixon does everything. So I'm not like, you know, they're they're. There was a week there where there was a different player note like every day about whether Joe Mixon would be involved (laughs) on third down or not. Like to me, that's just Joe Mixon's going to play as much as Joe Mixon can play, I think. And and it's if if we want to worry about the foot injury from last season, that is that is a real thing. But but competition in that depth chart, that just seems that just seems almost impossible to me. Yeah, no, I get it. I think I think we're all scarred because we saw how much Gio would would take. Like it was not there was nothing worse than you started Joe Mixon and then the Bengals are in hurry up mode and it's Gio Bernard out there like catching short passes. Uh, But maybe you're right. Maybe there is no easy replacement for Bernard in this roster. And that would make us all feel better. Just would. Um, All right. In Dallas, Amari Cooper versus C.D. Lamb, which seems to be the, the big fantasy battle right now going on with the Cowboys. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't want this to sound disrespectful to to Amari Cooper, who I think is a really good player, and, and I, I'm comfortable drafting as, as a wide receiver too. <laughs> but I mean, to 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 me, Ceedee Lamb is the guy who could actually end up at the back end of the first round next year, right? Mm-hmm. Like Ceedee Lamb is the guy who could vault into that top five uh, uh, wide receiver uh, position for fantasy purposes, and like we'll, we'll reach October and we'll be like, oh my god, why weren't we drafting Ceedee Lamb right next to <laughs> right next to Calvin Ridley? and DK Metcalf like I think he's I think he's that level talent and and obviously they're they're using him all over the formation um I people probably don't need me to go through like what his on pace numbers were with Dak Prescott (laughs) last year but it was it was basically Justin Jefferson he was going to have Justin Jefferson's season perhaps with more touchdowns right I I I mean I just think the ceiling for Lamb is higher um I, I I think that kid is great and I've, I've tweeted about it before. And I mostly what I tweet is just is just jokes and is just not <laughs> like not to be taken seriously. But one thing you can take seriously is that I think I would actually draft CeeDee Lamb as my as my dynasty wide receiver one right now. Like I, I 
I see a path to, to a huge season this year. Wouldn't surprise me if he finishes with 1,400, 1,500 receiving yards, 10 touchdowns. Like that's very much in play for Lamb, I think. He's a guy that I said out of that, that rookie draft class had the highest overall ceiling. I, I liked Justin Jefferson as the, the rookie to kind of have in redraft leagues, but I thought C.D. Lamb had the higher ceiling. Uh, and we saw it. I mean, you didn't, you know, the on pace numbers were ridiculous before Dak got hurt. And so I think we sort of saw that. And now, uh, I guess that's a piece of good news we are sort of taking to heart. The fact that they're going to move him around the formation and yeah. use him in different spots uh, does seem exciting. And I'm sort of with you. Like Amari Cooper, I think, is a, a, an excellent player. Uh, I also think his time in Dallas may be sort of short, which completely opens things up for Lamb to kind of be that guy uh, in the next couple of years. So uh, I'm, with, I'm with you on that one. Uh, all right, a DJ battle. DJ Moore versus <laughs> DJ Chark. Uh, which, uh, which DJ is on the ones and twos for you? Oh, man. Um, yeah, but DJ Moore has been an 1,100-yard receiver with Kyle Allen and Teddy Bridgewater, which is just – which is really something. Like, DJ Moore has had nothing but – but I don't want to say trash quarterbacks, but kind of trash quarterbacks, <laughs> right? Like, his going back to college, like, it was – you know, his his final year at Maryland, it was just a, a parade of guys who should not have been playing the position. And he's – like, he's great with everybody. So that's a really long – kind of mean-spirited way of saying that I like Sam Darnold doesn't doesn't rattle me <laughs> like this is, <laughs> this is maybe the best quarterback situation that he's that he's had in his entire life and it's Sam Darnold so I don't worry about that at all um I, I think DJ Moore you can you can pencil in you know another 1100 yards and maybe there's a little bit of touchdown luck here maybe you know it'd be great if we saw DJ Moore a little bit more involved in in red zone work but I like the a reasonable projection for DJ Moore is like 1100 yards, 1200 yards, four to six touchdowns, something like that. I think he's very safe. I think DJ Chark is the guy that has the the much wider range of outcomes. And there's been, there's been a little bit of Chark slander out there, right? Like just maybe this is just fantasy football Twitter and it doesn't, it doesn't trickle out to the rest of the world, but I feel like people prefer Chenault. They they might prefer Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones has been a really good player. Like as you look at that receiving core, I feel like people are less excited about Chark. But he was he was a wide receiver one just two years ago until he um, until they hit late in the season. He had that ankle injury and he played through it. And sometimes the worst thing that a player can do in terms of like public perception is play through an injury because then we're like, oh, what happened to Chark? He must have been, you know. Must have been not as good as we thought he was, but he was, you know, he was playing hurt and he wasn't great in December of 2019, but he'd been so dominant the rest of the year. He's also like, even in the NFL, there's, there's not a whole bunch of guys out there that are like six, four with four, three speed. So he has the physical traits that, that almost no one else does. So this is almost a, this is one of those situations where like, again, if I'm in, if I'm in some huge sprawling league, it's a deep league. I got three receiver spots to fill. I've got all these bench spots or all these flex spots to fill. I might feel more comfortable with DJ Moore because I just, I, I feel like that's a pretty rock solid projection on him. I know I'm getting 1100 yards. I feel really confident in him. Chark to me is the guy that, you know, uh, there's, there's maybe a 3% chance, 5% chance that he just goes supernova and has like a 1500 yard year. There's a lot more variables with that offense. We, you know, it's new coaching staff, new quarterback, new everything. Um, I, I, a little part of me thinks he has, he has the kind of star potential that Moore does not. 
So, man, I'm giving you a really long answer here. But if, <laughs> I, right. if, I, if I'm just looking for a guy that I that I think has bankable stats, um, it's more. But if I but if I've started my draft with like Tyreek Hill and Chris Godwin and I already feel like I'm stacked at receiver, mm -hmm. then I feel like I'd probably take a shot with Chark because because his upside is is unlike a, a lot of others. All right. Uh, I will say this. I am an unabashed LaVisca Chenault stan. Uh, I have been <laughs> I have been from the beginning. I have doubled down this year. So, uh, you know, and it's look, it's not because I know on Twitter there's like it's an either or like you don't really get to have nuance. And so like yeah. because I'm a, a Chenault stan, that means I'm automatically a Chark hater. Uh, but I can tell you that that's not the case. I like DJ Chark. I just like Chenault more. Um, the other thing is, so are you in on the Sam Darnold resurrection tour? Do you think this happens in Carolina for him? Um, I am, I have drafted my way into a position where I have to say yes. <laughs> I've, I've ended up with Sam Darnold, um, somewhat unintentionally in a couple of, uh, best ball dynasty startups. So I guess, I guess that's, I guess that's an endorsement. I mean, I was, I was speaking earlier about how like you really learned who you like and who you don't like by your draft behavior. And based on that, I have to say that I'm a little bit in. Um, <laughs> I don't know exactly what that looks like, but I like can Sam Darnold reach 4,000 yards in a 17 game season with these receivers and this coaching staff and that running back? Like, I yeah, like that can happen. Um, I, it's not going to be pretty. Like, I don't know that it's going to be a quarterback clinic or anything like that, but I think the raw numbers can be there. So, in a in a super flex sort of hedgy way, yes, I suppose I'm in on Sam Darnold. I certainly think that he can support you know, both Robbie Anderson and, and DJ Moore as, as viable fantasy receivers. I mean, according to Robbie Anderson, he's got a different aura about him now <laughs> when he walks in the building. So, um, yeah, take that for what it's worth. Uh, all right, uh, last one, some, a couple quarterbacks. Matthew Stafford versus Ryan Tannehill. I mean, I'm both. Um, I've already drafted them both, so I, d I don't have, like, negative things to say about anybody here. Mm. Stafford, uh, Stafford is the guy who, you know, coming off thumb surgery had like a medley of injuries last year. Right. I think it was, it was ribs. There may have been an ankle. There may have been an elbow. There was a thumb. Like you've got some injury worries there that, that he probably still needs to, to, uh, address in, in some form this off season, right? Like we need to, we need to see him fully healthy, fully functional and all that. Um, I'm, I'm going to lean Tannehill here. Uh, if, if they're both on the board and I need a quarterback, I'm, I'm going to go with Tannehill. Um, he, he's, he's on one of the few teams that actually has a better, you know, number one and number two receiver than, than the Rams do. So I like that. Um, and, and Stafford just like the last time Stafford, I believe the last time he ran for a touchdown was 2016. Um, <laughs> and, and Tannehill ran for seven last year. And that's, uh, obviously that's a little fluky. He's probably not going to get there again this year, but one thing that is consistent with Ryan Tannehill is, is he'll, he'll run for 200 plus yards and he'll probably run for three to five touchdowns. Like, so that's, that's a gap that, that Stafford has to close on the strength of his arm and he might be able to do it. He can probably do it. He's a bit, you know, huge talent, all that. Um, but I feel a little bit more comfortable with Ryan Tannehill. I, I love that offense. Um, that it, it's not like the Titans have this lockdown defense or anything like that. So they're, they're going to be passing. Like, I don't, I don't feel like it's just going to be entirely the Derrick Henry show this year. Obviously he's a miracle worker off play action. Um, I'm, I'm pretty excited about Tannehill this year. So slightest edge to Tannehill for me. All right. Uh, you are correct. 2016 was Matthew Stafford's last rushing touchdown. <laughs> he had, uh, he had two that year with the lions. Um, are we done with the Ryan Tannehill? I won't say slander, but I feel like, you know, fantasy people have generally been sort of, 
apprehensive about Ryan Tannehill. And I feel like, you know, it took a while for him to sort of, you know, wash the Miami stink off of him. Yeah. Um, Do you think we're past that now? Do you think Julio Jones helps get him over the hump that now we're all on board with Tannehill? Um, man, if you weren't on board a, a couple years ago when he was when he had that miraculous close to the season, I mean, I you know, and then and then what did he do last year? It was thirty touchdowns. It was again, it was seven rushing touchdowns. Like if you're if you're not on board after the after the year and a half that we've seen from Tannehill, maybe maybe you'll never be. I don't know what it'll take. <laughs> he wasn't even like he had some pretty good spots in Miami too. Like he wasn't. It wasn't a total face plant for him in Miami, right? Mm-hmm. Like he was, he was in that streaming discussion uh, uh, more weeks than not. So right. I'm, I'm certainly in on Tannehill. I don't know if the entire community is, and that he's probably not going to get the pass volume that, that Stafford will, and we, we may not feel as as comfortable in the in the coaching situation as we do with the Rams. But man, I, that guy couldn't have done more over the over the last year and a half to to set aside any concerns that you may have had about him early in his career. I mean, I, I agree. I shouldn't say the stink of Miami. He was, you know, he was, <laughs> he, was he was he was average in Miami. Uh, yeah. He was not a, a stud, but, you know, he wasn't, uh, you know, completely, as you said, it was not a face plant there. Uh, but I just feel like, you know, people look at him and think, yeah, what he did was good. I just I have felt just sort of this apprehension that people weren't totally all in but i feel like that's changing now like you know it's amazing what getting a guy like julio jones can do right for your offense but i feel well, like the, it's the one thing about his 2019 season is it was almost too good right like you right. were like <laughs> he, he was he was the most screaming regression candidate that you could possibly come up with because like he was you know he was like he was like 10 yards per attempt or so you have over mm-hmm. nine yards per attempt just ridiculous rate stats that we'd never seen from ryan Tanhill. it all seemed like a house of cards that was going to crumble. And then, right. and then he backed it up. Like last yeah. year was a really solid consolidation year, I thought for him. So e- e- even if you thought it was all just going to go to, you know, it was all smoke and mirrors two years ago. I, I think, I think last year uh, really allayed a lot of those concerns. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. So, uh, all right, before I let you go, uh, I like to do just some, some rapid fire, general fun, non-fantasy topics, but uh, you are a Chicago guy. Um, your top three hot dog toppings. <laughs> I am, um, man, I, I don't have a lot of good things to say about hot dogs and I'm not like, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not like, like some super healthy eater, right? Like I will, I will enjoy some not good for you food. Like you give me a plate <laughs> of wings. I'm all over the plate of wings. Like I'm not, I'm not that guy. Um, but man, I mean, what are hot dogs are like entrails and sawdust, right? I mean, like, yeah, they're delicious. They are delicious largely because of the toppings, in my opinion. And so you want the highest possible ratio of toppings okay. to hot dog, uh, I think. So, like, let's put a let's put a whole Caesar salad on there. Let's put it in a bread bowl. <laughs> let's let's put some French toast on that. But like anything you do to a hot dog is gonna is gonna make the experience better and is is gonna make it healthier for you. So like there's there's nothing that can't go on a hot dog in my opinion. I am not one of those like don't like ketchup touch a hot dog. There's nothing you can do to a hot dog that doesn't make it better. Um you, you gotta you gotta drown that thing. Um when I when I think of the traditional toppings on a Chicago hot dog though, mm-hmm. the the favorites are I don't even know what to call those little those little those tiny little peppers that look like they might be radioactive. Um, right, those are little, really good. Okay, uh, the, the, they, not the banana. They give it a nice kick. Little peppers, yeah. 
yeah, the the also radioactive looking relish gives it a gives it a, a nice little. <laughs> there's a nice texture to that that I like, and then the you know put put all of the tomato wedges on there. Like I think there's usually like three or four tomato wedges on there. I need those on there too. I don't always like the pickle, but again, going back to my rule of you can put anything on a hot dog and make it better. Like the pickle's fine as well. All right, all right. Uh, I I really didn't know I was going to spark such a reaction by asking about <laughs> hot dog dogs. But I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad we've gone down I, this I feel like today. I have a problematic take on hot dogs. There used to be a place um, uh, called Hot Dogs that was mm-hmm. like a um, it, weird location, but it would get this hour-long line at lunch, right? And that guy was like a, he was like a genius with encased meat. And, and it was, <laughs> it was a super high quality. And I used to like his stuff a lot. And now, like, now that that's out of my life and it's just nothing but the, the standard issue Vienna hot dogs, I'm, I'm generally out. Unless you're a child. If you're a child, they're fine. Next time you come to L.A., we'll go to, we'll go to Pink's and we'll, we'll, we'll see if we can you know, rekindle oh. a love of hot dogs for you. That's all, okay. that's all I'm saying. I'm, I'm, willing to, I'm willing to hit that, yeah. All right. Um, all right. So in honor of uh, there was a, a reporter who lost in fantasy football and had to spend 24 hours in a Waffle House and he live tweeted his whole experience. <laughs> Uh, which I think he polished off seven waffles to cut down his time. Uh, is there a restaurant chain you would be willing to spend 24 consecutive hours in? I I feel I could do 24 hours straight in almost any diner in America, um, <laughs> like all the way down to Denny's quality. I, I feel I feel like I could hit. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know what all of my diner chains are, but I feel like I could do that. Like I'm really at home there. Um, okay. we, used to, we, used to, we used to have in high school, like at the end of a, a long weekend evening, we would always hit this this place called Wags. Uh, it was it was called Wags and it was maybe in Carroll Stream, Illinois. And we would just always end our nights there at like 2 a.m. And like you're seeing the worst of humanity at most diners <laughs> at 2 a.m. Right. But it, it like I was comfortable there. They had, they had some uh, delicious breakfast entrees that you could that you could knock back at 2 a.m. Unlimited coffee. Like, I feel like I, I could do I could I could probably do 48 hours in most diners. Honestly. Wow. Wow. That's not that's to, not, not to brag or anything, but I, feel like <laughs> I, 48 hours I, I mean, look, I I have an unhealthy fascination with Waffle House because, you know, I grew up in California and we don't have them. So whenever I go to a yeah. place that has them, like I make it a point to eat there. So I felt like 24 hours in a Waffle House would be fun. But like watching this guy agonize. Uh, over his 24 hours um, and stare literally into the waffle void made me sort of rethink my life. So I don't know. Yeah, I, th- I feel like I could really enjoy two waffles. But like once you like I, I understand the idea that if I just eat nine of these things, then I'm, I'm you know, hey, that's that's taking a lot of hours off my day. But man, by that fourth or fifth waffle, that, yeah. that can't be easy. No, you're, you really are thinking rethinking life decisions at that point. <laughs> Uh, all right, last one for you because you are the fantasy judge. Uh, do you have any tips for powdered wig maintenance? <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm strictly redra- redraft with my with my wigs. I get a fresh one every year. <laughs> I don't I don't do dynasty wigs. Um, I, so there's nothing to maintain. I, I go to my local costume shop and I, I get a I get a, a totally fresh, new to me wig every year. Um, so no, I have no I, I don't brush that thing out. Um, I, it, it has to. You know, it's going to have a hard four months or so um, riding in my backpack. Uh, it travels with me throughout the football season because you never know when you have to throw the wig on to settle a dispute. Um, and once I, once I have the wig on, then I have the full authority of, of fantasy law. So, yeah, but I don't really maintain that thing at all. That's, and then at the end of the season, I retire it. 
That's that's amazing. Do you have like a I don't know like a, a shelf or do they just you know, get <laughs> like you know where you just like hang them up like on you know some head forms or do they just unceremoniously get you know sit out with it? <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not sentimental with many things and certainly <laughs> certainly not with my wigs. They just get disposed of. Who knows what happens to them? I mean, you know, they they could be out there in some recycled form somewhere, but but I don't know. Yeah, who knows? Uh, I mean, maybe you should send them off to under like like they, like they do with the championship shirts of teams that don't actually win championships. <laughs> like you could send them off to somewhere, uh, and maybe some child will grow up wanting to be a fantasy judge because of. I'll it. look into it. I'll look into it. It's a great idea. There you go, uh, Andy. I always enjoy talking to you. You always make me laugh. It's always a fun time. Uh, I would think that people who uh, listen to this show know where to find you. But for those who are uninitiated, where can they find your stuff? Yeah, uh, they can find me on Twitter. I'm just at Andy Barons. I don't make it difficult for you. Uh, and then, yeah, ch- check out our content uh, on on Yahoo Sports. Um, uh, check out the podcast too, the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. That's always a good time. Um, this has been great. It's been it's been really nice catching up with you, talking to you. Looking, I'm really looking forward to uh, to the Kings Classic this year and the the Expo and all that. So I hope people hit that as well. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be nice to get back in person after obviously yeah. having to do it virtually last year. Uh, you know, B-dubs, B-dubs needs us. They need our, uh, I know, I know. I hope that thing has survived because we can, <laughs> we can prop it up for another year <laughs> for another year. Uh, we just are our evening of banter and, and mirth and enjoyment. So, uh, yeah, go check out Andy. If you haven't already, it's always good stuff. Check out him and, uh, you know, a lot of our pals over, uh, on the Yahoo side as well. In the meantime, for us, that is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, do Transformers get car insurance or life insurance? Be safe, take care of yourselves, get vaccinated, and we'll see you next week. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.
Internet. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.